This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is G.W. Fuhr, head of U.S. branded sales and biofuels for Syngenta. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Syngenta's G.W. Fuhr next. Today's open mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net, providing individualized protection on more than 445 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. On the sidelines of the 2022 Farm Progress Show at Boone, Iowa, Syngenta's G.W. Fuhr reflected on the changes that he's seen in farming from the days he grew up on an Illinois family farm to the technology farmers are implementing today in their operations. The technology treadmill of agriculture, that treadmill does not stop, and farmers are adapters of technology. Some of the most savvy technology adapters in the world and how they farm, how they care for the soil. And it's, you know, it's just so different today. Now, again, I'll just reflect on my own family operation, plowed all the soil. That was how you did things, right? I was out there with a hoe, walking beans, taking out weeds. Because of technology, whether that's mechanical technology, biotechnology, genetic technology, all these things have come together in agriculture my dad, my brother farm so much differently today. I like to joke, you know, back in the day I'd go home and help and I'm a sales guy, right? So I'd, I'd be a little sore churning wrenches. I'd have bloody knuckles. My back would be sore. Uh, today, the only thing sore when I go home to help my brother plant is my butt because the tractor is autonomous, right? It's self-driving through the field. The precision at which it, it works through the field. We have just a, a narrow strip where we put on the nitrogen generally in the fall of the year like this pasture and we're planting that seed precisely back into that exact small slot and that's the only soil that's even being disturbed out there i mean the way we're farming so sustainable the soil's not moving and the yield levels you know when i first uh, i have a couple farms myself you know back in 1996 my yield goal was 150 bushels of corn per acre now i i hope again we always hope in farming but I hope we're going to raise over 250 bushels per acre. So the productivity gain that I've seen just in my short farming experience is pretty amazing. So some might believe that a goal of sustainability and a goal of productivity go in opposite directions. But others who are involved in the business might say that those roads are parallel. I would completely agree with that. And I think back, again, I'll use the example of my father. Um, I remember when he started no-tilling back in the middle 80s. And, um, boy, our first shots at it, it didn't work very well. Uh, the drill technology we had to plant the crop was kind of like a controlled spill. We didn't have the herbicide technology, so fields were weedy. I remember my grandpa looking with kind of a look of disgust at, hey, what are you doing here? Uh, but my dad was committed to making it work, and he knew that was the right thing to do. And why was he thinking that way? Well, he was thinking about me. He was thinking about my brother. He was thinking about the legacy of the farm operation and the soil, right? That's why he made those changes. And to think today with the seed treatment technology we have, 
the herbicide capability to control weeds that we have, our ability to protect our plants from pests. It's just completely different. As we keep bringing in new technology, we just keep taking yields higher. But the key point here is we continue to farm better, less tillage, less erosion. I mean, it really is amazing that we can take yields this high, but yet farm in such a sustainable way. Could you have seen the yield increase from 150 to 250 had you been abusing the soil and abusing the environment around that crop? Yeah, obviously the answer to that is no, right? I mean, that topsoil, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously what pays the bills, right? I mean, that, that precious soil and, you know, how we built that soil over time, uh, that's really what, I mean, what happens, uh, early on to get a plant established in the right environment to have that fertile soil to have that seed be able to grow and develop then as that seed grows and develop those roots spread out and we feed it appropriately that's what helps us achieve these yields that we're seeing today it has become uh uh, favorable in washington to attack the big to attack the corporate big is bad but with a company like syngenta that has brought together so much why is it important that you were able to join forces of so many companies, either from a research element or a regulatory element? What made it so that this was a, a means of survival? Well, when you look at it, I mean, there are more challenges in agriculture than ever before. Whether we want to talk volatility of the markets, whether we want to talk about supply chain issues, whether we want to talk about all the things that are happening, all the weather challenges, all the weather extremes... You cannot overcome those things. We talk a lot about wanting to become a collaborator of choice where, hey, we we invest heavily in research and development. We're bringing great solutions for farmers, but yet we're not naive in thinking that we can do that alone. We want to be the collaborator of choice. We want to work with all available and interested parties because, again, our goal is ultimately what's good for us is how we serve farmers. If we serve farmers well, obviously we'll do well as an organization, but at the core of it, we're trying to serve farmers well, and to do that, we got to be a collaborator. we got to be able to pull in the best from everybody to pull us all together. Has the regulatory environment made it such that uh, only a big company could survive? Well, that's a great question. There's certainly challenges, and let's just use atrazine as an example. Um, I started selling ag herbicides back in 1996, my first job out of college. And I can tell you clearly, I sold a product called Dual Herbicide, Metolachlor is the base chemistry. I can tell you what, you add atrazine to it, guess what? Makes it better, right? Back in 1995, that was one of the most cost-effective, cost-efficient herbicide tools to use. Well, guess what? Here it is quite a few years later, 27 years later. (laughs) And guess what? That's still one of the most cost-effective, most efficacious herbicides to use for a farmer to protect the crop. And as we're trying to do more no-till and reduce-till, what an amazing tool in the toolbox. So some of the pressure on products like atrazine, that's a huge concern. I mean, we've got a goal here. and We wake up every day saying, hey, how do we produce more with less? Well, you start taking away important tools in the toolbox, that gets really, really hard. Will that come in conflict with some of our sustainability objectives, with some of our food security objectives? That's a huge concern to us. 
is it reasonable that we could suggest that removing technologies that farmers depend on would have consequences for environment and for production? Significant. One of my favorite things, I, I lived in Europe for a few years, and I loved having some of these philosophical discussions about, hey, why not organic? Hey, why not non-GMO? And one of my favorite questions to ask rather than try to just tell someone, rather you know, to truly engage in our discussion is saying, hey, have you ever raised a garden? Have you ever tried to plant a garden? What was it like? How'd it go for you? What'd it look like in July? What'd it look like in August? And anyone that has actually done that or connected back to, hey, I remember a, a garden at Grandma's, they begin to understand, yeah, all those vegetables kind of got squeezed out. And you begin to understand and say, okay, now trying to take that across a 1,000 hectares or 2,500 acres, right? It's a very different challenge. There's no way with the small number of people that we have producing all the food in this country, there's no way we could do that in nearly the same sustainable way without having access to tools and technology. What does it say to a company like Syngenta and others? And I'm asking you to remove yourself from your company for a moment. But what does it say to a company like Syngenta that creates a product decades ago that has been used successfully by farmers that is now being threatened from use and from a company that spends billions of dollars in research and is being held up in a regulatory channel either in the U.S. or of governments around the world. What does it say? Yeah, it's a concern, right? It's, uh, you know, is that a stoplight to innovation? Is that a stop sign of saying, hey, slow down on innovation? And, and there's no way, when we look at the challenges of the world, food security, we look at the environmental challenges that we have and will have in the future, we have to innovate. We have to bring new technology. I see no other way. If we're going to produce more with less, we have to have technology. So it's a huge concern. Take us inside your company, Syngenta Seed. There are a lot of different hats that are sitting at the table. Sure. As we think about uh, our organization, you know, overall, we certainly have a mission to serve farmers. But when you look at our organization, uh, we have one of the largest uh, crop protection organizations in the globe. So we work all over the world to protect crops, whether that's from weeds, whether that's from bugs, whether that's from disease and pests. And we work across crops, right, whether it's vegetable crops, corn and soybeans or sunflower. We work globally, and we're in literally every country uh, protecting crops. And then the same way on seed. Of course, we have a vegetable division that focuses on vegetables and, and actual flowers. And then we have our seed division. So seed in the U.S. focuses on corn and soybeans and other parts of the world it focuses on corn and oil seed crops. And that oil seed crop, of course, say in Europe, could be sunflower and oil seed rape. So that's really what we do is the development uh, of those products to serve farmers. So what would be the difference between Golden Harvest Seed and NK in terms yeah, of function great. Or, or product? Great. We have a couple brands here in the United States. So we have two brands that we oversee. And so uh, one is our NK brand. Uh, Northrop King was founded back um, 1895, one of the oldest seed companies in the United States from up in Minnesota. And its focus is really with our ag retailers. So about one-third of the seed in the United States is sold through ag retailers. That brand is dedicated to supporting them, to supporting farmers that buy through the ag retail channel. We have some great partners all across the country that we work with, and we really serve them, those important retailers. On the other side, uh, Golden Harvest, it's more of a farmer-dealer brand. We have farmers or independent sellers that work directly with us, and they work directly with farmers. And so we support those sellers to serve farmers through our Golden Harvest brand. It still takes producing a product and delivering 
ordering a product. So have you had supply chain issues uh, during COVID and post-COVID? had to completely learn how to work differently through COVID without a doubt. And there's also, uh, you know, weather challenges, whether it's uh, winds, hail, or other events continue to be challenges each and every year uh, in the United States. Our domestic production, having so much of our production, nearly all of our production domestically produced, that's limited us from some of the international supply chain issues that a lot of others are facing. So we've had good seed crops. Now with that, we have also put ourselves in a growth ambition where we're trying to grow our market share. So with that, we've grown more quantities of crops, mm-hmm. which that's helped us you know, buffer or weather some of the supply chain challenges that have been out there. But there's no doubt from you know, our cost of freight, holy cow. I mean, we have some meaningful inflationary costs that are really putting a lot of pressure on our business that we have to think through very carefully. Looking then to the way you work with farmers... On our farm back in the 70s and the early 80s, we sold bags of seed. How do you sell seed today, and are you not experimenting with some new ideas and, yeah. and contracts within the Golden Harvest brand? So we have 2,500-pound uh, large plastic boxes. We call them cubits. So you use a forklift, dump that seed into a center fill planter. So, again, very very efficient process, uh, forklifts, and uh, directly into a seed tender. Also, a lot of our soybeans are sold through a bulk and handling system where we can put the proper seed treatment on those soybeans to help them get up out of the ground. So seed packaging and handling has changed a lot over the years. Additionally, we're looking at some other ways of selling seed. And one of those examples, we have a model called GHX, which is a more direct way of selling seed to a farmer. Are you having a greater role in the farmer decision-making where they're opening their books to their data, the results of their fields and their operations, and are you working with them to make choices? It's a great question, and that is a key change that I've certainly seen over my working career is it just continues to get closer and closer. There are so many pressures on farmers today managing just their own books to equipment to labor to different decisions they have to make they're looking for trusted advisors they want help with their seed decisions we work very closely with farmers we call it genetics by environment by management we want to understand our genetics we want a farmer to really describe their environment of that specific farm of that field right no one knows that better than a farmer and then we want to understand their management that management may change a bit year to year based on the the circumstances or their decisions but we want to understand that we want to collaborate closely that's how you optimize yields that's how we'll take yields to the next frontier i talked about 250 bushel corn earlier how do we go to 275 right that's of mm-hmm. course what we want to do i want to take soybeans i want to take my soybean yields up over 80 bushels per acre to do that we want to optimize our genetics the man or the environment of that farm with the management of that farmer to do that we got to collaborate really closely but still not overtaxing the capability of the soil and of the environment surrounding it you know, that's that's the, the key piece, right, is you've got to manage that soil, that farm correctly, right? And mm-hmm. so you've got to optimize. This is where that's that genetics by environment, by management. You've got to optimize. And, you know, obviously if a, you know, this is where we've seen so many changes in terms of precision farming, right? Like where all of a sudden we won't treat one farm all the same. Now we can treat different acres or even sub-acres differently. We can optimize the seeding rate maybe in that bottom area where it's really flat and black, and where it's a clay hillside, we know there's less productivity. 
why would we waste the resource, whether that's seed or fertility? Why would you waste the resource? And obviously there's an environmental potential impact with that, but you know, the point is you want to optimize the resource. A farmer can't afford it from a profitability standpoint, so that's a huge change that we've seen is more precision planting, more precision in how we approach each farm, each field. So if I talk to commodity groups about what they want in the farm bill, top of the list is crop insurance, and as I understand, you also are working with a farmer to offer them some guarantees. Sir, we have some programs that we've introduced. We actually have learned this from from some other parts of the world where... um, to use some of our more premium products to help really go for those higher yields, we put uh, an assurance in place. It's called AgriClimb. And so it's, it's kind of an assurance. It's a weather risk program. We put that in place with some farmers, and we've learned from some other parts of the world that, hey, if you share some risk, farmers will really appreciate that. So we, we've introduced that here in the United States. We've introduced that into our seed business. And, you know, obviously you look at a year like this in the western part of the United States, some of those drought perils certainly will have a payback for the farmer. So with regard to technology, biotechnology, of coming up with traits in seed that allows it to ward off insect pests or to allow you to use herbicides to be more efficient in in managing fields and keeping fields clean. Have we touched the potential of biotechnology in seed yet? Certainly we've seen early on some just step changes, you know, my farm in western Illinois, we used to be riddled with corn borer. When I travel places around the world, I've seen Asian corn borer continue to devastate crops. We haven't seen that for years in the United States because of our use of BT corn. So it's been a huge lift, a huge stability factors in our yield. And some of these hard weeds that have become resistance, again, our ability to have access to more herbicide tolerance continues to really help farmers have clean fields and protect the soil as well as the environment because we can effectively control those weeds. We certainly have seen the benefit of technology, but guess what? Mother Nature doesn't stop. The world today is not what it'll look like in 10 years. Our challenges will change. Weeds will evolve. Weeds will have resistance. It's happened for decades. It will continue to. We have to continue to bring new tools and technology so we can address those changes, whether it's driven by the climate and climate change or whether it's driven from other factors of Mother Nature. We've got to help farmers continue to succeed so they can produce more with less. The size of Syngenta allows you to develop genetics that are successful in the seed and also a chemistry that protect and allow the two to work together. But it doesn't stop there because your work also is in the rhizosphere, that area between the seed and the soil, and now the biome is becoming even more important in the industry than we ever dreamed that it might, and you're there. Yeah, we we really have to begin to understand that. Certainly, we've been early with seed treatment products. You begin to touch into that space, but when you look at some biologicals, and we've added some biological capability to our organization, we continue with our research and development to look at new options and opportunities. And again, let's go back to that formula I was talking about, genetics by environment by management. That's where you can get, because look... When you get into that space, it's more complex. We know less about it. We've got a lot to learn, but we see great potential. And again, how will we go to 300 bushel corn yields in a sustainable way? 
we see that as one of the great potential solutions. And again, we got to do it in the right way. G by E by M, we believe, is our approach. And then sometimes you get lucky. As I understand, <laughs> as I understand, you developed a particular hybrid that you had an idea toward the renewable fuel industry. But it turned out the livestock folks thought it was a pretty good idea, too. Tell us that story. Yeah, so uh, Anagen, Anagen hybrids, it's pretty interesting. And so, yeah, is, uh, is the stomach of a cow that different than an ethanol plant? Well, let's talk about that. So uh, Anagen is an enzyme, and it creates a viscosity break. And inside an ethanol plant, uh, enzymes are added to the production process. That helps the, the corn mash liquefy, and that's how we begin to, to pull out the starch and to make the ethanol in that process. Well, it turns out inside the belly of a cow, that same process of turning starch into simple sugar becoming more available, all of a sudden we found that that cow can very efficiently make that transformation as well. What we've seen is a 5% feed efficiency. So I can feed 5% less to a cow. They can produce the same amount of milk, produce the same amount of beef. A tremendous sustainable solution. And as you think about the price of corn, the higher price of silage, or in the drought areas of just less feedstock availability, this is a really important tool. So this is something that we've been working really closely with dairy farmers as well as cattle producers on to really understand the benefits and see how hybrids with antigen can fit into their operation. When you sit down with meetings and talk about tomorrow with Syngenta, does the issue of hunger, does the issue of sustainability come up along with profitability? I would say our CEO, Eric Fearwald, has been one of the absolute leaders in the industry of helping folks, one, just really understand what it is we do. What do we do? We bring technology to the market. We do it in seeds. We do it in crop protection products. We help farmers sustainably grow a great crop grow more with less. That's what we do. That is sustainability. And then you get into tools. So we just launched a crop-wise sustainability tool, right? It's a mobile app that can help a farmer learn. It can. I can put my farms in there. I can answer 115 questions. I can get a sustainability score. I can then see how I'm doing against my neighbor, a little competition involved. I can then do scenario planning to say, hey, if I want to do more of this or less of that, how would it impact my sustainability score? So we continue uh, to do that work. And then you, know, you mentioned the hunger side. Look, we are a global organization. We're trying to help farmers all over the world, whether that's in Africa uh, or all over the world. We're trying to help farmers, and that's, that's a key part of what we do. And that's, candidly, that's what excites so many of our employees is it's the mission of what we're doing. GW4, we want to thank you for taking time out of an awfully busy schedule uh, to spend with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and today you get the last word. Great. Hey, thanks so much for what you do. And uh, speaking with your audience here, I know normally I'm talking to farmers every day, talking about our seed products, probably talking in my own farmer uh, lingo, if you would, out here in rural America. But simply, I, I do want to say this. Um, farmers really matter. They work very, very hard. I can't think of a group of people that are doing more for sustainable and sustainable practices Farming and agriculture is a long cycle game. We're not farming for the next quarter. We're not farming for the next year. We're farming for livelihoods. We're farming for generations, right? And I'm just really proud to work at Syngenta, to be someone that supports farmer and what we're doing. I really believe in the mission. Uh, we are feeding the world, and we're doing it in a sustainable way. Our thanks to GW Four, head of U.S. branded sales and biofuels for Syngenta, our guest this week on Open Mic. 
AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.